for joining us for another episode of Here We Are podcast. We're getting kind of used to these now. Sort of. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hope you are. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for watching. Um, Today, I thought it would be fun if we talked about some history. Just how you got into Christian music and recent history. (laughs) Yeah. And thank you to Beverly, who sent a bunch of newspaper articles and clippings in. And so I'm going to be showing you a few of these today. Uh, Really fun. I have not seen some of these. Some of these are from before I was born. Wow. So, yeah. Um, So, 71 is the first one. Um, And there's some from... Minneapolis, there's one from DeKalb, Illinois, there's one from Syracuse. So, I mean, I don't know how she got her hands on all these, but kind of all over. Um, But I think it's interesting because it's talking a little bit about how you came from Minnesota and got hooked up to David Wilkerson and Team Challenge. So take us quickly on that. Well, as quickly as I can, I, uh, I became a Christian in 1965. Uh, attended North Central Bible, School, uh, Bible College and School of Music. And while I was there at the school, it was actually after my third year, uh, the man who was in charge, a man named Oral Kranz, wonderful man, he was in charge of a department they called uh, Christian, Christian Service, I think they called it. So what that was was the, the students every weekend would go out to a church somewhere in the area and minister is kind of how you develop your ministry and he would kind of put all that together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also was a professor. Uh, I remember he taught in New Testament and uh, became a good friend. He was, he was just a great guy. One day he called me in his office and said, uh, Dallas, I've got a, a request here for someone to be a youth pastor slash youth music director at a church in Fort Worth, Texas. And it's funny, I was just thinking about this yesterday. I don't know what the context was, but I was remembering that thinking, how strange that after only three years in college, which your goal is to finish up, mm-hmm. I wasn't doing real well. I was, I was undisciplined. I was a brand new Christian. I was just kind of floundering, but, you know, sort of making it through. I think he knew maybe that maybe what I needed was some experience to get out. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a church in Fort Worth, Texas. Ira Stanfield was the pastor. Ira is very well known for some of his songwriting. Songs like Mansion Over the Hilltop, Room at the Cross for You, Follow Me, Happiness is the Lord. Uh, what's the one I don't know about tomorrow? Uh, I'll Fly Away, did he do that one? No, he didn't do I'll Fly Away. Oh, okay. But anyway, so it's one of those God things I look back on now and how interesting that God linked me up with a man who had been a tremendous songwriter. Mm-hmm. And while I was there... Um, that would have been in 69, I got a call from a man named David Wilkerson. He was actually holding a, what they used to call a crusade, a youth crusade up in Oregon. He was talking to one of the ministers that had helped organize this big citywide meeting after the meeting was over, and he said, do you know anybody that maybe plays the guitar a little more contemporary that I'm looking for someone to travel with me and minister in music. Well, mm-hmm. it just so happened that this ministry he's talking to, I had gone to college with. He, he'd been a couple years older than me. His name was Raleigh Heiser. And he said, well, you know what? I know a guy. I've got a record he made in college. So he played it for, for Brother Dave and he liked what he heard. So he called me that night. I'm down in Fort Worth. Phone rings. Hi, this is Dave Wilkerson. If you know Brother Dave, he was very much get to the point. It wasn't about <laughs> Hi, how are you? How's the weather today? It was just, hello, yeah. Dave Wilkerson here. And I knew who he was. I, I knew about the cross and the switchblade, his work in New York. 
he was coming to Dallas to do a meeting, just a one-night meeting, and he told me a little bit, I've been looking for someone to minister in music in my meetings. Uh, would you come over and sing a couple songs? Maybe we can talk. And I said, I'd be happy to do that. Really inside, I'm thinking, there's yeah, no way. I'm loving what I'm doing. I love being a youth pastor. I love my kids, and I love Pastor Stanfield, everything about it. I was just really enjoying my time there. But I thought, well, you know, what do I got to lose? I'll go sing yeah. a couple songs, meet him. and. So I met him, I, I saw how he ministered, we went out to eat afterwards, and he explained to me what it would look like, uh, how often we'd be gone, what opportunity he would give me in the meeting to sing and to share, uh, what I would be paid, and all these things. And I'm still kind of thinking, yeah, I'll pray about it, but I, I, deep inside I'm thinking, I, I can't see myself doing this. Well, as the Lord does, you know, he works on you, and the more I prayed about it, the more I thought about it, to where I finally called my girlfriend, uh, who is your mom now, uh, she was up in Minnesota, and uh, that was October, and I told her about this conversation I'd had, what he wanted, and would you pray with me about this, and long story short, uh, we got married the 27th of December, 1969, after deciding, yes, I am going to take this opportunity. Literally two days after we got married, we're in our little 65 Plymouth Barracuda with a four by eight U-Haul trailer with everything we own in the world off to New York. <laughs> to New York City. To New York City to start with David yeah. Wilkerson wow. on the 1st of January. We got lost. He said uh, 688 Broadway. So when I started entering New York territory, I could see these signs for Broadway. Oh, that must be it. I went, <laughs> we went through the Bowery. There was a garbage strike going on. Garbage piled up to the second story, I think. Uh, we drove through Harlem, which as a white couple with Texas license plates in 1969 was not advisable just because there was a lot, a lot of civil unrest and, uh, you know, white people didn't go there. That's just the way it was. But I didn't know that. We're driving through and I can, you sort of get a feel, you know, that I'm, <laughs> I'm a little out of place. They seem yeah. to be looking at me. Of course, everybody had told us, our parents, when they learned we were moving to New oh. York, oh boy, that, be careful. They mug you. They'll steal everything you got. They, you know, all these, yeah. these preconceived ideas, which weren't necessarily untrue. So we're a little apprehensive anyway. So we were lost, I think, for five hours. Finally, we pull up to what should be 688 Broadway, but we can't find 688. We can find 670-something, 690-something. Garbage is piled up. Windows are boarded. Uh, drunks are laying out on the street. And we just go, this is where we're going to live, somewhere here. So we prayed. We said, Lord, help us to find our address. We're, we think we're in the right spot, but mm. help us. No sooner had we prayed and the cab driver pulled up. So we know this is a miracle. Mm -hmm. You can want a cab. You could lay in front of them. They're probably right. not going to stop. You can <laughs> hail a cab. They're going by. So this cab on his own pulled up. He, he obviously, with the car and the trailer, Texas lays a place. He knows yeah. we're out of place. Rolls his window down, can I help you? Are you lost? And I said, well, we're looking for 688 Broadway and can't find it. He said, Broadway Manhattan or Broadway Long Island? And something clicked in. I went, oh, Long Island. He laughed. He said, oh, you're a long ways away from there. <laughs> you need to get out on the, I think it was the New York Expressway or something and go here, go to Massapequa. So we found it. So that was my start. But it, it was one of those God way things. better than where you had been. Oh, well, yeah. It was, well, yeah, you know, it was simple. It was an office above, I mean, it was a little apartment above the office where the ministry was. Mm -hmm. This big, long, narrow hallway that you went in the door, you walk way down to the end, and then you turn the corner, and there was a little kitchen, a living room, bedroom. And 
but we were we were thrilled. We were just married. We had a waffle iron, a lamp, and a yeah. sleeping bag. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a few things. Yeah, but we were excited. We were starting life out. Uh, so so all good memories. And I think mm -hmm. within a few days, we uh, probably within two or three days, we met uh, Brother Dave, which I learned at that point. Dave Wilkerson began to get a taste of his intensity, his needing for things to be. Uh, done right now, he was very intense. He was a soul winner. That's mm -hmm. all I made him tick was we yeah. got to get this done. So he had told me early on, he said, I need you there by the 1st of January. You've got to be there by the 1st. We're going to hit the ground running. So I'm thinking, okay, so we never had a honeymoon. We got married on the 27th, <laughs> had one night, you know, to sleep in a hotel, and then off we go. So we get there, and we found somebody. Uh, is Brother Dave around? No, he's down in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to be there on the 1st of uh -huh. January. So that was kind of a taste of, okay, this is kind of how things work. <laughs> and that was fine. But that, you know, that began a 10 and a half year association with him and his mm -hmm. ministry. Uh, again, hindsight is so wonderfully clear. What a marvelous opportunity. I mean, I look back on a lot of ministers and ministries that were popular, uh, very well known in that time frame. I could have been hooked up with, I mean, I'm not saying they wanted me, but I mean, it's, it was certainly within the sure. realm of possibility that I could have been invited or hooked up with any one of those, which many of them fell into disrepute. They were into craziness. They were, Brother Dave, was he perfect? No, he had flaws. He was more aware of them than anybody, but he, he was solely motivated by winning mm -hmm. young people to Christ. Mm -hmm. That's all that drove him. Yep. And sometimes it drove him so hard that he'd make a decision, we're going to do this, and well, it didn't work out too good, you know. And so he might come under some criticism, but uh, he was a man of God. We used to say, Brother Dave, you need to get some hobbies because he was so intense. You know, we wanted him to relax and enjoy life. But could I see Brother Dave in a boat fishing with me? Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah. Uh, Brother Dave with a gun hunting? No, didn't want to see that. <laughs> uh, his hobby, really, when it came down to it, his hobby was spending time with the Lord. That was his wow. respite at the end of a day, the end of a crusade. When we're all going to bed, going to sleep in the motel, he's up reading the Word. Uh, talking to God, you know, asking God for direction. He, he did that, and it showed. Yeah. He was, I don't personally believe, you know, this may come under some criticism, I, I'll just, I would just say, I don't personally believe there are prophets anymore, like Old Testament prophets, where God literally spoke through them what they spoke was and is Scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that office, I think John the Baptist was the last, quote, prophet in that type of prophet. I do believe in prophetic gifts. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that they're still uh, in operation today, though oftentimes misrepresented, misused, misunderstood. But I still feel that what the Holy Spirit ever did, He does today. So I believe there are those who have a prophetic uh, leading or gifting. And I believe Brother Dave was one of those, mm -hmm. one of those people. Mm -hmm. So it was always an adventure. For example, in 1973, I think it was, he wrote a book called The Vision. He, come, he came under tremendous criticism because he didn't make any excuses. He just said, I, I believe, and, and he would never own up to, uh, people would introduce him all the time, a prophet of God. And the first thing he would say is, I'm not a prophet, I'm a watchman. And he'd always qualify yeah. that, and I respected that. He never claimed the office of a prophet, but if ever there was someone that had prophetic insight, it was him because in 73 he wrote a book called The Vision. And it wasn't general. It wasn't, oh, I think the Lord might. No, it was just like he listed, uh, there'll be pornography on television. There'll be a gas shortage. There, was not, there wasn't even a rumor of a gas shortage when he wrote that book. 
Uh, if you go back and look at a business week, uh, time, whatever the magazine, there was no conversation when he wrote the original manuscript, which might have been in 72 when he wrote it, of gas shortages, pornography on television, no way, same-sex marriage. Uh, I don't remember all of them, but actually till recently, every single one of them specifically, we've come to know. Yeah, sure. And the last one, which I don't remember was, now it's, uh, now it's there, it's happened. Yeah. So, you know, a, a prophet in the Old Testament was only known by if it, if it happens, he's a true prophet. If it didn't, you stone yeah. him. Yeah. In the New Testament, you have teachers. It more leans towards teaching false. You don't hear as much about false prophets. You hear more about false teachers. But there's all those, those are the prophetic gifting. It's, it's changed. Uh, you know, in Paul's teaching, not to preach a sermon here, you probably know this, but in Paul's teaching, he instructs about the gifts. You know, you, you basically weigh in on a prophecy. If someone's got a prophecy... You don't just sit there and say, oh, well, that was God. Yeah. You go, well, you know, let's, let's check this out. Yeah. You didn't do that in the Old Testament. Can you, can you see uh, uh, Isaiah standing up and prophesying in this little peripheral group saying, okay, that's yeah. really nice. Now we're going to vote. We're going to weigh in on it. Mm -hmm. That was the word of the Lord. So that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons I, I uh, one of the evidences, I think, of that type of prophet. Uh, because in essence, we don't, I say this carefully, we don't need that type of prophet because what we have is now their words, as well as the re recording, uh, the records of everyone else, the Holy Scripture is inspired by uh, God. Mm -hmm. uh, so that person, but we still have that gift. Mm -hmm. And we have those. Now, the, the downside of that is, the tragedy is, I mean, if you turn on certain areas of Christian TV, everybody and their brother-in-law is a prophet. Uh, I watched one of these shows, it's been a few years ago, and they had three of the, quote, leading prophets. And it just got to be humorous. It was sad, but it was humorous at the same time. Because the one guy would sit there and say, well, the Lord showed me, or the Lord told me, and this prophecy. And the next guy chimed in and said, oh, yeah, he told me that too. But he also said, and the third guy chimes in, oh, yeah, I've, I've received that same revelation. But in addition to that, it was like this mm -hmm. ego trip mm -hmm. of, no, I'm the number one prophet, you're number two. This kind of stuff you can see all the time. And I just go, please, just yeah. go somewhere, take a vacation. Uh, but tragically, because of those who misuse, misrepresent, or quite frankly, are just false. Then there are those who just discard that whole yeah. realm entirely yeah. and say, oh, God doesn't do that anymore. Yeah. Which we can talk about that in some other podcast about, uh, you know, do these things still operate? Does the Holy Spirit still Because there's a, a, a great side of scholarship, uh, highly regarded and respected men and women, who will just say, no, he doesn't do that. Right. Well, you always have to go to Scripture and to... make your determination, and I've done that. We've written mm -hmm. about it. If you, had, if you get our newsletter over the last year, especially mm -hmm. those things. But uh, all that to say, those first ten and a half years of my ministry with Dave Wilkerson. Now I look back and I go, Oh my, what a, what a tremendous foundation for yeah. ministry that I was coupled with a man. There was no nonsense. There was no silliness. There was nothing yeah. frivolous about it. It was get down and dirty. Go to the worst places. Get him out of the gutter. Get yeah. the drug addict. Get the prostitute. I mean, I saw in the very literal first days of my ministry with him out on the streets of New York, I saw that worst case scenarios, people that yeah. society had given up on completely. I saw them saved. I saw them cleaned up with my own eyes. I saw them get into a teach challenge center, maybe go to the farm. The guys in Rearsburg, Pennsylvania, the girls would get into the Walter Hoving home up in uh, Garrison, New York. And all of a sudden, these junkies became gentlemen. The prostitutes yeah. became ladies. They had kids. They went to church. They became productive mm -hmm. citizens. Yeah. So I saw that that built my foundation of ministry. 
So when I went forward into this day, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. Yeah. There is no person that can't be reached by the grace of God because I've seen the worst yeah. reached by the grace of God. So I look back, you know, when you get a letter like this, you see these yeah. places like, yeah. man, I remember those places. I remember being in Minneapolis. There was one there I saw for uh, Souls Harbor. Yeah. That was a, it was actually a theater, an old movie theater in downtown Minneapolis. And, uh, boy, I cannot think of his last name. It'll come to me. His first name was Gordy, Gordy, Gordon. Peterson. Gordon Peterson, right. Yeah. Gordon Peterson. See that. And they would have, if there were any kind of big event, uh, Youth for Christ, a special, maybe, uh, I mean, <laughs> I remember one time, I'd only been a Christian, boy, my, my memory's going here, we got to cut, cut this off pretty quick, but, so this was my first big moment as a Christian uh, artist, I thought. Uh, I get saved in 65, October 65, I pretty soon thereafter started to sing, I just started singing for Jesus, I'd be in a church of five people, I'd be in a rest home, I'd be in a jail, I'd be out on a street corner, I'd just, you know, nothing. And all of a sudden, this other friend of mine, we were singing together, we get this invitation from somewhere to come to Souls Harbor, and would we sing three or four songs? Well, Souls Harbor seated over a thousand people, as I recall. They were having someone from the Minnesota Twins baseball team. He was like the celebrity speaker. He was a Christian. Uh -huh. I I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was. All I'm thinking is, oh, man, <laughs> we have made it. This is it. This is we're going to sing in front of 1,000, 1,500 people at Souls Harbor, and we did. And it was just so, the feeling of, oh, man, this is what I saw in my mind, the ability to be shared. That was a Saturday night. Sunday morning, we were in a church that had five old ladies, elderly ladies, <laughs> one old pastor. They all had hearing aids, I noticed. They're just sitting there hunched over, and I'm thinking, they can't hear a thing we're doing. We're singing kind of contemporary with our guitars, and they're not digging it. So it was like the Lord, yep. just about the time we thought we've made it, he went, yep. oh, no, you haven't. you still got a lot to learn. Yep. <laughs> so yep. we went from 1,000 plus to five ladies with hearing aids. God bless them, who I'm sure did not appreciate what we were doing. <laughs> and so yeah, that's been kind of the journey. You know, mm -hmm. God would open a door and opportunity here, but, you know, just hang on. Here's... Here's the dirty work. Here's reality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kept me centered, I think, through the years. And I look back now and I go, you know what? And I say this honestly. And I, I don't know what those those five ladies heard, if anything. or, But that was as important to God yeah. uh, as it was to any, anything else I did. That's that's where he had me. Yeah. So this is where he has us now. And yeah, here I am in front right. of my iPhone uh, telling you about my life while yeah. I can still remember it. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then, okay, so you were in well, New I'm York. Thinking, Let's continue because we're running out of time. Continue, what, cut it off? Yeah. Okay, we'll come back and That's how we do it. We're professionals. This we is just to go, be continued. Hey, we're done. Dot, dot, dot. But thank you for joining us. <laughs> Here we are, podcast. DallasHome.com, our website. Please join us. And as we were saying, uh, let us know if there's anything. Let us know, yes. first of all, if you're enjoying these. Please share them with other people. Direct other people to, to our podcast. But if, there are, if there's a topic, uh, a song, uh, anything, yeah. I think uh, I'm going to do some more podcasts with music where we can, we had a thing where it's kind of stories behind the songs on YouTube, that's sort of a separate thing, but now it's like we could just do this here yeah. and just put a song in out again. So we've got ideas, but if there's something you'd like to see, uh, please mm -hmm. let us know, visit us. Until next time, here we are, there you are, and we'll be back to here we are next time. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs>